there comes a point when you've got to figure out what is at the root cause of your health problems. And if you can't target anything else, H. pylori just seems to be wreaking all sorts of havoc. Are you struggling with bloating, gas, constipation, and fatigue, but don't know what's causing these problems? The Gut Health Reset Podcast with Dr. Anne-Marie Barter dives deep into the root causes behind these issues that start in the gut. This podcast will give you the knowledge you need to heal your gut and reset your health. Thank you so much for joining us here today on the Gut Health Reset Podcast. We have such an awesome episode for you talking about the dreaded reflux or also known as GERD. We're going to dig into why you get GERD why you have that reflux, and if that could be causing your sinus problems, if you've looked at everything else, it's not allergies, it doesn't really add up. Did you know what? It could be coming from your gastrointestinal tract, specifically your stomach. We're also going to dig into H. pylori infections, how to fix them, what to do about them, and the testing that you need to run to figure out if you have that even if some of the other testing that you have run has been negative and you have all of the symptoms. My special guest today is Lindsay Parsons. She is a certified health coach and the owner of High Desert Health. She helps clients establish healthy habits that can last a lifetime so they have sustained weight loss, more energy without dieting or counting calories. Thank you, Lindsay, so much for joining us here today. I'm super excited to have you here, and it's just going to be so good to dig into this topic. I feel like this affects so many people, so I'm really excited to dig in. But I first want to know, before we get into this, how did you become a certified health coach? What drove you to do that? Well... I had been working for five years. So I'm a mom and I had started advocating for healthier food in my son's schools on a volunteer basis in Montgomery County, Maryland, uh, just outside of DC. And at some point, um, you know, we decided we were going to be moving. And so I had gotten deep into nutrition during that time. My previous career was in international education. And so I'd been spent five years reading everything about nutrition, just focusing on that and had met a lot of health coaches, hadn't even heard of that prior to it and didn't really know what it entailed. But then we were going to be moving and I wanted to do something in the health field. I was no longer interested in trying to go back into international education. I was much more interested in health. And so that's when I decided to get certified and to start working on that. I'd also had an experience where I had coached a friend of mine who was wanting to lose weight and clearly had a binge eating disorder. And in the space of three weeks, she went from, you know, going to fast food restaurants and eating so much till it could like, literally it would stuff so stuff so much food into her that it would be pushing back out. Like it would not Mm. even go down and got her to stop going to fast food restaurants and do they doing that. And so I really felt compelled to try and help people who were dealing with health issues and um, weight issues and eating disorders and things like that. Wow. It's a pretty, pretty deep story. The topic I'm super interested in here today, and I know you have a lot of knowledge on gastrointestinal issues. And so we're going to kind of deep dive maybe on one of those uh, many areas. But the one that I'm most interested in is GERD. And a lot of people will present with this with just reflux. And so uh, what is GERD? It stands for gastroesophageal reflux disease. 
or, and people will of course call it acid reflux. And then of course, there's another version of it called LPR, which is I think laryngo laryngopharyngeal reflux. Both of them are conditions in which you either have too much or too little stomach acid, but typically allopathic doctors will diagnose it as too much stomach acid. But in some way you have acid coming back up your, up your esophagus and causing either, you know, that feeling of warmth or um, it can be, you know, an acid feeling and an actual um, heartburn feeling, or it could present like the LPR is more of a silent reflux, which is what I used to have, which presented more with a constant cough for me. And for some people can then also have sinus implications and can cause, you know, like you, I used to wake up and have dark phlegm because clearly things were coming up my throat during the night. <clears throat> so it was that kind of a, kind of a, a symptomology. Well, and I think that's a really good point. So if somebody just has sinus issues um, and, and, you know, they've done the, the traditional allergy approach, food elimination, et cetera. And it's kind of like, well, what is it? So it could actually be associated with a little bit of reflux coming back up here, creating some sinus issues. I think that that's surprising to most people. So I think that's an awesome point that you made right. that people don't really seem to know about as like as much. Right. So that's pretty neat. Um, so I guess you, you talked about it being too little or too much stomach acid. So the debate wears on, right? So, <laughs> so kind of, so maybe let's break that down a little bit. Um, you know, is it too little? Is it too much? Or is it kind of a, a mix of, of both? It, well, it, it can go both ways. So I think a lot of GERD behind it is H. pylori or Helicobacter pylori, which is a bacteria that can cause ulcers and can cause stomach cancer if you have the virulence factors. So there's a test like the GI map, which is a stool test that will actually show the virulence factors. And so you may have H. pylori, but none of those factors, which means that your H. pylori is more benign. But that being said, I have yet to find a client who had H. pylori who wasn't suffering some symptoms. Of course, I don't have clients who aren't suffering some, from symptoms and who didn't benefit from education around how to eradicate it. So at, when you have H. pylori, one of the first things that happens is you actually end up having less stomach acid, and that's called hypochlorhydria. And so at the beginning, it will reduce your stomach acid, but then over time, it can increase your stomach acid. So you may have some combo, both and the symptoms may be similar. Because when you're when you the pH isn't correct in your stomach, that can open up the lower esophageal sphincter and acid can get up. So, so it can, it can kind of go both ways. Right. So basically, so the, you know, we get the H. pylori infection and this infection actually creates a lowering of the stomach acid. And I think that's a really important point um, that you bring up about that, because, you know, if we continue to give digestive enzymes on top of an H. pylori infection that's not being treated. Do you have any concerns with that? So digestive enzymes themselves, um, I would be less concerned. I'd be more concerned about, you know, whether you're throwing betaine HCL on top of it, if, especially if it's gone long enough that, that the acid is in fact high, but you would feel the reflux and the burning if you took the acid in that case. 
Totally. Uh, I know there are concerns with taking digestive enzymes or too much if you don't need them, but I also know that there's a use of digestive enzymes outside of eating to help heal things in the body. And in particular, I know there's good research around uh, using them to reverse some of the damage done in Hashimoto's to the thyroid gland, um, Hashimoto's thyroiditis, which is an autoimmune disease that attacks the thyroid. And so at least using proteolytic enzymes. Now there's all variety of enzymes. So are you aware of, of dangers of taking enzymes? I just would assume that the only concern if you have an H. pylori infection would be um, that you could drive an ulcer if um, if the H. Uh, right. pylori infection was so, it, it was pretty aggressive. And like you said, an increase in burning in the system. But I mean, I also think on the other side of things, what's really important to note is the H. pylori infection makes you more alkaline, right, in the stomach, which is a concern because the pH of the stomach, we want it to be very acidic so -hmm. that our other good friends like parasites and, you know, opportunistic bacteria don't take up residence in your GI system, you know, so that you can actually protect yourself. So anyway, um, no, when I treat, I don't generally give, um, I don't give betaine when I have an active H. pylori infection. I, I, I kill that first and then I move on, but I love the GI map. That's what I used to. I love it. Yeah, absolutely. Best test, right? <laughs> it is a good test. Then the other issue is, is when you have that low stomach acid, you're not digesting protein. And if that goes on for a very long time, that can cause all sorts of problems because proteins are needed for pretty much every single thing your body does. Yeah. And having low protein can obviously start to have downstream effects in all sorts of different ways in different people. So mastic gum is what I use. I, I teach my clients about the protocol that Dr. Daniel Kalish uses around mastic gum. Okay. And uh, also use some things like DGL and marshmallow and aloe to soothe the gastrointestinal tract at the same time. And how long does it really take you? Because I think they can be nasty infections. <laughs> how long does it really take you to to get rid of the H. pylori infection? So I, I will do it for two months. Okay. And the other thing that I also do now, so I under the, under the uh, mentorship of Dr. Grace Liu, I also learned that H. pylori can hide in candida. And so in the biofilms created by Candida, and so sometimes you think you've gotten it, but you haven't. So now I always add something for Candida and and people typically will have done an organic acids test as well, or they'll have demonstrate symptoms of Candida overgrowth. There's several different companies that do them. The two that I'm most familiar with are the Great Plains organic acids test and the organics one done by Genova. And it is a test that has, um, I, I'm not sure how many markers are on the Genova one. There's almost 70 markers on the Great Plains one. And that's the one I use the most. And basically it has sections that talk about whether you have fungal overgrowths, bacterial overgrowths, Clostridia bacteria overgrowth. Then it looks at your metabolism of carbohydrates, of fatty acids, um, and your Krebs cycle and its functioning. And then of um, amino acids. And then it also has sections that look at your neurotransmitters, whether your dopamine and serotonin levels and your epinephrine and norepinephrine or adrenaline and noradrenaline levels are, are good. And it also has markers for the B vitamins and, and your, some of your antioxidants, CoQ10. So it, 
and then and then your detoxification. So it has all these incredible markers. It's a great overall body test that shows you what's going on on the inside and allows you to have some insight into the root cause of of your issues. It's a great, great test. I think it's really good overall to, to see that. Yeah, I, I use I use Great Plains too as well. Where do we get H. pylori infections? Like where do they come from and, and how do they set up shop in our stomach? So I'm not sure if, if people are, are bored with them, but I can tell you that you can get them from a romantic partner and from kissing. So very easy to transfer it back and forth. So I think there's a lot of that where people might get rid of it, but then their romantic partner gives it back to them. And the romantic partner may not have symptoms or may not have bad enough symptoms to want to get treated or may not be somebody who's as attentive to their health. So whenever I have a client who has H. pylori, I recommend that their spouse or romantic partner gets checked and treated you know, if they want to do the same thing that I'm teaching them about, they can do that, or they can see their doctor and take, you know, multiple antibiotics and a PPI if they want, but I don't recommend that. <laughs> That's a keynote for sure. Um, and you can also get it with breastfeeding. So it's transferred oh, really? primarily with breastfeeding. That's another place it's transferred. But correct me if I'm wrong, 60% of the population has an H. pylori infection. Is that, is that what- In the U.S.? Yeah. Is that the same? Yeah. I just heard a number, something like that, 50 to 60%. Yep. So, I mean, it's easy to transfer if you have that many, you know, romantic partners or, you know, if, if, if your mother has it and she breastfed you, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So it's easy to be passed. And on top of that, let me just say that it is missed all the time. I can't tell you the number of people I have said, I have seen who've said, oh, well, I was tested for H. pylori. I even had an upper endoscopy and a biopsy. I had a breath test. I had a this. So I recommend stool testing. Obviously, if the GI map is ideal, but if not, at least try and get just a stool test from your doctor to test for it. And even if it doesn't show up, I mean, I think it can be missed because if you have all the symptoms of it and there's no other obvious root cause, it's up to you then if you want to do something about it. But there comes a point when you've got to figure out what is at the root cause of your health problems. And if you can't target anything else, H. pylori just seems to be wreaking all sorts of havoc. I mean, I've seen people who have, they have the GERD and they have the silent reflux. They have um, a lot of pain. They have insomnia. But then on top of that, constipation sometimes, diarrhea sometimes. I've seen people with ulcerative colitis whose root cause at least partially maybe H. pylori. So it just seems to be a root cause for a lot of stuff. I saw a couple patients this week that had ulcerative colitis. They all had H. pylori infections. They all had mm -hmm. gluten sensitivity and they had a couple of opportunistic bacteria. And that was pretty much it on the entire stool test. And so yeah. I think I, you know, I started to think that like H. pylori might have been one of the trigger factors here um, from you know, but I don't have any research to support that. But yeah, I think that's a, an amazing point. Hey, this is Dr. Anne-Marie Barter. Have you ever spent hours searching for the right supplements to heal your body? And when you finally found them, maybe you weren't sure it was a brand that you could trust or if the products were safe. After hearing about these issues time and time again, I decided to put together a complete store of supplements for healing and supporting your gut at dranmariebarter.com. There are supplements for constipation, thyroid health, gut health, energy, and so much more. There are bundles created for sleep support, pain support, histamine support, and the list just goes on and on. These supplements I use personally 
or I've handpicked because they've worked time and time again on countless cases in the office. And on the website, you can see what ingredients we use to put your mind at ease. If you visit DrAnnMarieBarter.com and use the promo code podcast to get 10% off your next order. So what are you waiting for? Go visit Dr. Anne Marie Barter and get 10% off your supplement bundle. Ciao. And now back to our episode. Mm-hmm. So, um, so you mentioned a PPI, um, and you said, I don't really recommend people go on PPI and antibiotics. Um, so kind of what's your, what's your comment on, on why you don't recommend that? And I agree with you. I just, I just would love to hear it. Right. Well, when they say, I, they call it a triple antibiotic uh, or a, a tri-pack, but I think what it is, is two antibiotics in the PPI is what, what allopathic doctors will give for uh, H. pylori. So it's the antibiotics that I'm a little more nervous about to start with, because obviously they will only deal with bacteria. And when you wipe out bacteria, what happens? Your yeast goes up. So then you end up having overgrowth of candida and some of the same problems and symptoms you might've already been having. So, so that's for the, the antibiotics. Whereas when you use an herbal treatment, then you don't tend to have that overgrowth of the yeast. In terms of the PPIs, obviously, you know, when most people show up with a GERD presentation, the doctor's going to recommend they go on a PPI. Now, Back in the day, they didn't have all these warning labels when it first went over the counter. I was on PPIs for about 15 years. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. And what happened? Well, I ended up with three autoimmune diseases. So I'm, I'm convinced that not digest, because I mean, it reduces your acid very significantly and you need your stomach acid to do all sorts of bodily things <laughs> to digest your food. And so in particular, to break down your proteins. So I look look at that as the beginning of all sorts of problems with my health, even though, you know, obviously I had some presentation before that. Now, it turns out I had a gluten and dairy sensitivity. And when I stopped dairy altogether, I stopped having any kind of acid reflux and was able to get off the PPIs. But um, if you're looking at just a short course, sure, I mean, it's not going to kill you to take it for 14 days. And when I almost gave myself an ulcer by taking so many painkillers when I had sciatica and I was in the seventh circle of hell, I had to take those PPIs to stop from getting an ulcer. But I knew why I was giving myself an ulcer and I had to stop the ibuprofen. Once I did, it went away. But in terms of long-term usage, definitely not recommended. You can end up with all sorts of problems, again, absorbing nutrients and... You get an increased risk of fractures just because of oh, right. yes. the Bone lack loss. of absorption of your key nutrients. Um, you have a risk of lower magnesium, which most people have anyways, because we're right. pretty magnesium deficient. And so you really need magnesium to absorb you know, vitamin D, for example, that's really super important. So um, there is a risk of B12 deficiency, for sure. Um, Chronic kidney disease, dementia, abdominal pain, diarrhea. So the list can go on and on. And I mean, I think um, on the other side of things, just hanging out with an H. pylori infection, you can get iron deficiency, 
magnesium deficiency, et cetera, because they eat that to reproduce and B vitamin deficiency as well. So, I mean, it's really important that you absorb your medicine be your food, you know? So it's really important to absorb that. So you need to treat this infection for about two, do you, two, possibly a little longer, but primarily two months, and you have pretty good eradication of the H. pylori infection. Is that correct? Pretty easy to get rid of. So far, everybody who's done two months worth of the Masticum protocol has been able to either see complete relief or actually retested and seen it disappear. And I know that Dr. Kalish did an actual study, I think, with the Mayo Clinic on his protocol, and it was validated in the majority of the of the people. Now I do, I do also recommend that before people start that, ideally, if they have the time to get, make sure that their diet is promoting the healthy bacteria in their gut. So I encourage them to be eating beans and legumes and to just, just up their fiber intake and really feed those good bacteria in preparation so that it will, it will take. There's also been a debate, you know, diet to, to bring up the, the, you know, the prebiotics of the probiotics or probiotics specifically. Do you have any comments on that, especially in like how your treatment of, of um, GERD and H. pylori, et cetera? So in terms of prebiotics, definitely, I, I usually encourage people to use their diet to increase their prebiotics rather than using some sort of a fiber supplement, but I might on the completion of a cycle recommend a fiber supplement. I'm always sensitive to the fact that these supplements can run into the hundreds of dollars for people. And so how many different supplements at one time in what sequence? So it depends on the client. Sometimes people will say, no, I'll just get it from my food. And I'll I'll say, okay, that's fine. At the end, I might throw in some type of a a nice fiber supplement, something with L-glutamine too, to help seal up the gut lining and feed the small intestine cells. So in terms of probiotics, I usually will recommend a probiotic. So people do not typically present with just H. pylori. They usually present with overgrown commensals and commensal bacteria or, or healthy normal bacteria or they present with some pathogenic bacteria as well. So typically the recommendations on the GI map are high dose lactobifido type probiotics. Like they typically recommend something from the 100 billion to 300 billion range. So I will often put people on a probiotic at the same time, or maybe partway through a protocol and then continue it after. I also will use the spore-based probiotics in some cases and then um, Saccharomyces boulardii, I sometimes use that. Sometimes I'm more hesitant if they, it depends. <laughs> That's awesome. And I, I think what the point that you made is that people just want to be one thing. I think we've been conditioned to think, I just have GERD. But then, you know, you run this test, you run this stool test and like you identified, there's multiple things going on on the stool test that are also contributing to the problems and maybe making an overgrowth of opportunistic or pathogenic bacteria that's not good because of some of the other infections going on. So I think it's a really great point that is not just one thing. It tends to be, you know, they compound on each other and and they multiply. Do you have any tips maybe for keeping the gut healthy? If you have a healthy gut, if you are prescribed antibiotics, 
if you start taking them and you start having any sort of antibiotic associated diarrhea, I definitely start taking Saccharomyces boulardii, which is a beneficial yeast. Wouldn't necessarily start with it, but you could if you are inclined to use probiotics. And then of course, having a diet that is rich in both the prebiotic fibers. So, you know, at least two or three times a week, you're eating some type of beans, legumes, lentils, that type of thing. And then also, you know, a wide variety of fruits and vegetables, a lot of polyphenols. And, you know, you can look up what, what they, things are rich in polyphenols. It, I, I just saw a list recently, incidentally, the clove, I think was the highest by far and away. Is that true? Yes. But of course, that. how much cloves do you eat in any, and most people only use them, you know, oh. as a flavoring in something and then they could, but if you actually ground, grind up the cloves, they are very rich in polyphenols. So herbs and herbs and spices are actually quite rich in polyphenols. We just don't use tons of them. So a, a diet that's rich in in polyphenols and different colored fruits and vegetables, not just eating the same thing every single day, but doing a variety and especially, you know, eating the rainbow, just like we used to teach the kids that I, you know, that I worked with when I advocated around healthy school food. And are there any tips and tricks you do for yourself that you feel like are must do's to keep yourself healthy? Well, I think exercise is obviously the single most important thing we can do to keep ourselves healthy over the course of our lives exercising regularly. And obviously getting a good sleep is important. Really eight to nine hours would be my recommendation. And if you are having sleep issues, then you know you need to dig deep and figure out what's going on there because that's when your whole body is detoxifying. And if you keep losing sleep over an extended period of time, eventually your body is not going to be able to detoxify and then you're going to start seeing the impacts. Eating organic and pasture raised. So that's really important to me. I, to the extent that we can afford it, we buy almost everything organic and I get my meats from a local farm that I know is pasture raised and totally pesticide free. And, um, you know, same thing with the eggs, especially the eggs and dairy products. When you think of the top of the food chain, I think that's the stuff that's most important to be organic or pasture raised. So that's, that's a must do for me. And then the other thing is just always, if you do have a health problem, not giving up, not just accepting, oh, this is just a pill or whatever, a Band-Aid to put on your symptoms, but that you always try and look at what's the root cause? Why is this happening? Don't just hear, oh, I have IBS. So I guess I'll just have to take something to stop my diarrhea or something to move my bowels on a long-term basis because I have a diagnosis. IBS isn't a diagnosis. It's a default lack of diagnosis, really. It's just saying, we don't know what's going wrong with you and why. So we're going to give you something to cover your symptoms until we can figure it out or until the medical community catches up with the functional medicine community that already seems to know how to deal with these issues. Preach. (laughs) (laughs) Amen. Exactly. I mean, because that is, I, it's so funny. It's just the default. I don't know what's going on. Or I, my other favorite um, diagnosis is functional bowel disease. Like, what does that mean? <laughs> what does that mean? I don't know what that means. Well, where can people find you if they want to get in touch with you? So my business is called High Desert Health, and it's at highdeserthealthcoaching.com. And then my podcast is called The Perfect Stool, Understanding and Healing the Gut Microbiome. So you can search for that on any podcast player or find links to it from my website. And yeah, people can reach out and are welcome to set up a free uh, breakthrough session with me, half an hour, just chat about what's going on with your gut and happy to 
try and see if I can be of help. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here today. It was such a pleasure to have you on the show. And it was just lovely. Actually, I love talking about GERD and H. pylori. I think it's so important. So it was just such a pleasure to do that with you. So thank you so much for being here. Yeah, it's been my pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you for listening to the Gut Health Reset Podcast. Please make sure you subscribe, leave a rating and a review so more people can hear about the podcast. And hey, take a screenshot of this episode and tag Dr. Anne-Marie on Instagram or Facebook at Dr. Anne-Marie Barter. And for more resources, just visit DrAnneMarieBarter.com.